And I'm Dave, the Bionic Blogger. And this is AMP, the podcast for people with limb loss. Hey, Dave, how are you today? I'm good, Peggy. How you been? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. It was a difficult week last week, everybody kind of getting through all the the horrible news that was coming from Las Vegas. But, you know, as we do, we're rebounding and trying to pick up the pieces and move forward. Yep, not a lot we can say. We, we referenced this in our Friday newsletter, but um, just hope we never have to do one of these again where we're all talking about this issue. It's awful. I know, it's horrible. And um, so we have a podcast today. The last few weeks, I feel like we've done some fairly technical type podcasts. So I'm kind of excited that today's a little bit more lighthearted. We're returning to our top five lists. And uh, we've actually, Dave, have been accused of having kind of a Pollyanna vision of living with limb loss, um, that we talk about how it's not so bad, and I think that's part of our nature. Uh, So in this podcast, we are actually going to take the opposite spin, and we're going to talk about the top five things that we hate about living with limb loss. Yes, we're going to be miserable grumps this week because there are things that we dislike about limb loss. And, you know, I think that I think that the positive view that you and I generally have is is one that, you know, it serves you well from a rehab perspective. If you like us were adults and you lost your limb and then you're trying to move forward. So, you know, it's something that was very functional for both of us. But we can't deny that there are certain aspects of limb loss that are infuriating. And we're going to share, both of us, the top five things that we each hate. And the cool thing was, Peggy, we made these lists separately. There's only one item that overlaps between us. So yes. um, there's some real diversity here of of uh, what we hate. I think so. I think so. So uh, should we start with number five? Yep. You lead it off. Um, so I am a baloney amputee. And I can't stand, I call it the socket muffin top, right? So it's that point where at the very top of my socket, where my thigh fat kind of comes out over top of the socket and creates kind of like a muffin top or an ugly mushroom effect. Uh, When I wear jeans, it's not a big deal. I always, when I pick shorts, I try to pick shorts that come down to the knee to cover up the socket muffin top. Um, I'm actually pretty sensitive about it, especially, you know, in the summertime, you can't hide it in swimsuits. Um, And sometimes it really, I kind of have to talk myself up to, okay, I'm just going to, you know, let the muffin top out there. Um, Not only do I think that it looks unsightly, um, sometimes it pinches, right? Because the, the thigh kind of gets caught between the socket and I'll actually get little welts and it's kind of uncomfortable and embarrassing and ugly. So that's my number five. Those are all good reasons to hate that thing. Yeah. Happening. Yeah. And you know, all baloney amputees don't get it. it. It's because, and I, I fully recognize that it's because, you know, I I have larger thighs than, you know, twiggy type people do. But it actually is, is pretty common with with baloney, especially baloney women. So I know I'm not alone with the thigh muffin top. So there you go. That's my number five. What's yours? I think that's a worthy entry that you've led with. Um, mine is the inability to figure out what my real weight is anymore. 
Um, and this is a problem because, um, you know, when I go every year, it, it, it really crops up every year in, in the fall because my company has a corporate wellness program. And so I have to go get, I get a blood test and, um, you know, at a, at a local lab, and then you get the results of that. And it basically sets based upon your height, your weight, and the blood results. It sets, you know, are you healthy? Are you, are you overweight? Are you, what are your risk factors for all of these things? And of course, depending on which prosthesis I walk in there with, if I chose to wear, for example, my running leg in, I would be about probably seven pounds lighter than my everyday prosthesis. And so, you know, and I've, I've done research on this, Peggy, and that people say, well, a leg is anywhere from 10 to 12 pounds to a third of your body. I mean, it's like crazy, the, the, the yeah. variety of, of things you see online about this and nothing scientific. So I just get very frustrated with the fact that I can never really figure out what my actual weight would have been if I had two normal legs. And therefore, um, when I get these um, wellness results back, I always feel like I'm somehow getting cheated out of um, wellness. At least that's my my rationalization for why I'm not lighter. Okay, so do you know what I do in that situation, Dave? Is when I go to the doctor, and if I'm having a day where you know I obviously you know my weight goes up and down. Uh, you know, um, I live my life on a roller coaster. Sometimes I get so dizzy from it. Um, so if I am on the higher end and I know that, that I'm trying to lose weight, I will just take my leg off when I get weight and then it's automatically lower and then I feel good about myself. I don't feel good about myself. So I've, learned, <laughs> I've, I've learned how to cheat the system, at least cheat myself a little bit that if I'm feeling, you know, kind of pudgy or swollen that day, I'll just pop it off and be like, no, you're not weighing me with that. And then they just write it down the way that whatever comes up. So, yeah, I know. I, it, I know that's an option. I don't generally do it. I have done it once. Once when I was yeah, really I heavy, only, I did. I only, yeah, exactly. I only do it when I know that I'm kind of tipping the scale the other way. Um, but, you know, it is, it, it's my coping mechanism and I'm sticking with it. Okay. So there you go. <laughs> All right. Let's move to number four. Number four is the constant barrage of questions about limb loss and about my amputation and about my circumstances and how did it happen and can you still feel your foot and can you do this and what what does this mean? Um, anywhere from, you know, it, if I am not wearing jeans, anytime I walk into any kind of medical practice, even if it's with my kids, you know, they always end up asking me questions about my leg, you know, and sometimes I, I try not to care. And I know people are just curious, but sometimes, especially when I want to focus on something else, um, it becomes just really frustrating and starts to wear you down after a while. You know, sometimes at the deli, you just want your ham and cheese and you don't want to have to have a long conversation about what happened to my leg. And yes, I know I'm using a prosthetic and isn't that cool. And yes, I remind you of your three-legged dog and ha ha ha, you're so funny and then move on. Sometimes I just want to go about my life and just not be bothered. You must have a look when you go around that says, please talk to me about this because I find... I don't know if this is gender based. I don't know what it is, but I almost never get approached by people about my life, even I get when I'm in shorts. All the time, all 
the time I get approached. I can't go out in the summertime if I'm in shorts. You know, like I can finally go to my grocery store because most of the people there know me now. But if I'm somewhere else, people always, always approach me. And most of the time it's okay. But sometimes you just you just want to be like everybody else and just blend in. No, I totally get it. I think it's because you look lawyerly. No, I don't think. I've said that before. (laughs) I don't think it's lawyerly. Maybe I just, but you know, I'm a bald headed guy and I'm not smiling and I'm not often with, you know, I don't, I'm not with young kids wherever I go. You know, you've got young kids still and you're often with them and maybe they just see you as approachable, whereas I am not. Maybe. I'll, I'll go with that. Yeah. But anyway, sometimes it, you know, like last week I was battling a double ear infection and I went to the doctor to get, because my ears were hurting and I ended up having like a seven or eight minute conversation about my leg and what happened and how I'm feeling. And I'm like, dude, I'm just here for my ears. Just give me the drops and let's move on. (laughs) That's fair. That's completely fair. Yeah. I think that's a good entry. All right. Um, My number four is I really am aggravated about the fact that I am basically in shoes all the time. And they're going to, I know there are people out there who say, well, people with limb loss who say, so take your shoes off. And my response to that is, especially as an above the knee amputee, I don't know what it's like if you're below the knee, though I expect it to be somewhat the same. But it's really not comfortable walking in bare feet in a prosthesis, it's you not. Lose all of, you know, it's you lose not. all of the cushioning and rollover, the you know natural rollover that you get when you wear a shoe. Um, I and no grip or traction. Yeah, well, if you're in socks, certainly. Um, and even even with the uh, even with just a foot shell, sometimes you can have issues. But you know, I even have uh, my foot has an adju- I have an adjustable heel so I can adjust my heel to make it better in you know very quickly and easily and even with that I still never do it because it's just too much of a drag I did it once in the last year and my daughter who's now 12 said I have never seen you walk around the house in bare feet until today and I was like yeah well there's a reason for that it's because it sucks it's no fun and it doesn't feel good and it's a pain in the neck and now I'm reminded of why I don't do it and I won't do it for another 12 years So I'm very annoyed because, you know, on a weekend, there's nothing better than just taking your shoes off, having socks on your feet, putting your feet up and and relaxing. And I am in I'm in some type of shoe, boot, sneaker, whatever, 24, 7, 365. Okay. yeah, I I can relate to that. That that does suck. I'll give you that one. You're welcome. All right. I like your number three. Uh, Number three. Um, is phantom pain. So we were, we were talking actually before we started to record this about phantom pain a little bit. And I admit, Dave, that when it comes to phantom pain issues, I am extremely blessed. I don't have a lot of issues with phantom pain. Mine tend to be more socket related or weather related. But when I have them, I am reminded how lucky I am because it is miserable. There is nothing more frustrating than, you know, for me, it feels like my toes, that my toenails are being twisted and stabbed at the same time. And it will drive me absolutely crazy and keep me up and trying to find relief for it and trying to sleep 
and my leg will kick like a little jitterbug and just go up and down from like a stinging sensation and it's miserable. So I have nothing but respect and I feel horrible for my friends who, who suffer greatly with phantom pain. I am very lucky that I'm not in that situation. But when it does happen, it really, really sucks. Yes. I'm not going to speak about phantom pain beyond what you've said, because this is the one overlapping one we had. So I agree entirely with everything you just said. Um, my number three is the following three words. You're an inspiration. Um, you and I have talked about this tangentially in the past, but I don't want to be an inspiration. I just want to be a guy who walks around and people say, oh, he's a guy who walks around. That's nice. He seems like a nice guy. I don't. You want to be like everybody. Yeah, I don't. Yep. I, don't put you on a pedestal. Yeah, it's it's no good. And And this when I used to run races, this was especially problematic because, you know, you're. You're sort of, I'm trying to be in a zone and I'm trying to, you know, just get through the race and to have able-bodied guys blasting past me, um, usually, especially in longer races, going back towards the, you know, these races that are big loops, they may be going past me the other way. They're already headed back and I'm not halfway done. And they're going, you know, you're my inspiration, dude. And I'm like, oh God, can I, if I fall over in front of you right now and take you out, will I still be an inspiration? Because that's what I feel like doing. And the, the last time I actually ran the Challenged Athletes Triathlon, this is probably five or six years ago now, and that event's actually coming up, I think, this uh, next weekend, I think, or the week after that. But um, I got a lot of this, and I was running with an able-bodied guy who sort of – we befriended each other on the course and we were coming towards the finish line and we just by the end we were both we were like almost doubling over because it was happening so much and he knew i hated it and so he kept saying oh you're my inspiration too dave and it was um it made a, a totally intolerable situation somewhat tolerable but i can't i can't stand it you know these people don't for all these people See, know much... i could be a complete jackass exactly Exactly. Oh, you're not, but I totally get what you're saying. See, I take the urine inspiration and you can spin that, right? So like if you're ever feeling really bad about yourself, all if I'm ever feeling really bad about myself, all I ever have to do is just like walk into Planet Fitness. I don't even have to get on any piece of equipment. If I just walk in, you're just lauded with, you're such an inspiration, respect, you know, I have no excuses. You're, you know, you're my hero. I'm like, thank you, I'm out. Drop mic and I leave. Yeah, uh, it doesn't, uh, I, not, I don't get a rush from it under any scenario. I don't get a rush. It's just, you know, when the bar is set so so low sometimes all you can do really is laugh and rise above it right yes that would be the healthy thing to do i tend to stew quietly and and fill up with a with a <laughs> with a somewhat humor tinged rage all right number three or number two i'm sorry um and i actually i, I had a really hard time picking between my number two and my number one, because in my mind, they're tied, okay? But I, I chose number two as just the vulnerability of my my ability to ambulate and get around and take care of my kids and my family. Um, you know, it, it 
it's a terribly vulnerable feeling to be completely dependent on, you know, manufactured device with with components that do break down. You know, I could wake up in the morning and not be able to walk because my socket doesn't fit or if there's a big hole in my liner or something happens to my limb or if I ate too much salt the night before, I can't get into my leg or, you know, I break the carbon fiber on my foot. I mean, all kinds of things can happen at any time. And if if everything doesn't work perfectly, as it normally does, right, but that one time something goes wrong, I'm sunk. And I hate that. I hate being so dependent on something that's manufactured. And it never goes wrong, like just when you're hanging out around the house, right? It's always before you're about to go away exactly. to do something spectacular with your family. Exactly. And it's it's really, really frustrating. That's It's those moments that, that I really feel disabled. And I usually, I don't consider myself to be disabled or handicapped. I consider myself to be, you know, a, a woman who uses a prosthesis to get around, right? But it's in those moments when it breaks down and I'm stuck that, that I just, I feel very yeah. vulnerable. And I hate that. I hate it. Yeah. Well, when when you go from when you go from being fully mobile and able to basically perform every activity of daily living without really having to think about it, and you go from that to all of a sudden, I'm either on crutches or I'm not ambulatory at all. That is a that is a massive and rapid downgrade and reorientation to reality. It's not it's not fun. You feel you and feel just reminds you, you so crippled. fast. Exactly. I hate it. I hate it. So that's my number two. Easily could be my number one, depending on how I'm yeah, feeling. Yeah, it's kind of your one A and one B. All right. Exactly. Well, the my number two is the gap between what the prosthesis does and what I know uh, even a moderately well functioning biological limb can do, and I find this somewhat more frustrating um, in some ways now than it used to be because a I wear absolutely what a lot you know what most people would consider a state-of-the-art device and yet the gap between the functionality that that provides me and a biological limb is indescribable I mean it's it's so vast it's like the difference it's like the space between the the sun and earth um, in terms of its its vastness it's just even the best, most advanced knee and foot components do not come close to replicating what we came into the world with if you were if you were born with all of your limbs. And it drives me bonkers. And there was actually, um, Peggy, I, I was you and I didn't have a chance to talk about this, but um, our friends in Canada, the War Amps, um, Annalise Petlock there, who's who's someone you and I both know, and she does um, really interesting, great advocacy work there in Canada, across the country, um, and she herself is part of the Limb Loss, Limb Difference community, they just actually um, sent out a press release talking uh, about an editorial that uh, ran in a Toronto newspaper talking about what they call sci-fi syndrome. And it's a really... We actually put that out on oh, our see, Facebook page, I should look page, at that Dave. Facebook page. This is why you manage the social media. But it's a, it is a... <laughs> it's a fascinating... Yes, it's a yeah, very, very good Yeah, and basically what piece. it talks about is, well, you know, 
if payers think that the most advanced prosthesis does these all of these fantastic things, um, you know, and they think that we look like Iron Man or anything else that you see in the movies, um, you know, that is a there's a huge gap between that and reality. And if that's being ever used as a rationale to deny claims to um, to decrease access to claims, because the assumptions are that, well, a normal prosthesis will be good enough. Uh, because it, it's so spectacular, um, the high-end ones are you know completely over the top. It's just incorrect. So the the gap between what prosthetics, what I think some of the public perception around prosthetics is, and what they can actually do, I find frustrating, um, particularly from an access standpoint. Not only it's really not an issue for me personally because I'm lucky enough to work in the industry, but um, certainly is an issue for so many of the people who um, are listening to us and are part of the Amped Army. It's very frustrating. I I totally agree with that. I'm sorry you hear my phone ringing in the background. Sorry about that. (laughs) Um, So number one, uh, Dave, can we Um, have a drum roll? Do you have a drum roll with you? uh, I'll give you the closest thing I've got. Ready? I'm ready. Oh, that's good. That's different than what we had before. I like that. That's it. Okay. I'll, I'll work with that. The number one thing that I hate is just the inconvenience and the amount of planning that my life is now forced to to undergo because of my limb loss, right? So if I am going on vacation, there's no let's throw a swimsuit in, maybe we'll go swimming. If I know that we're going to go swimming, I have to plan, I have to pack the water leg, I have to or bring the water foot and then make sure that I have the screwdrivers that I need. Um, if I'm going to go to the park, I need to make sure that I have my beater leg and not my microprocessor leg with me. If I'm going to get muddy, then I need a whole other foot component for that. Um, I'm not a planner by nature. I'm not a very organized person by nature. So, you know, trying to live with, with limb loss is really kind of stretching those boundaries for me. Um, and it's just the constant reminder that that I need to make accommodations. I want to be able to just put on my leg in the morning and do absolutely everything that I need to do, not think about it, and take it off at night. But, you know, when you have kids who like to go to the park and jump in puddles and go wading in the stream and things like that, I really have to plan which device do I need for what activity. I'm not good at planning. So that's my number one. Yeah, it it can be frustrating. There's a lot of you have to be very attuned to a lot of logistical issues when you when you're using a prosthesis or other assistive device. You're thinking about a lot of things all the time, which frankly, can just get tiring after a while to really, yeah. It does get tiring. Even walking gets tiring. You know, walking and, you know, we, we have a huge, we have huge hickory trees in our yard, um, which which drop huge hickory nuts all all over the freaking place. I mean, they're everywhere. And they're hard to walk over. And when you're trying to walk around them and walk over them with a prosthesis, it's downright dangerous. So even something as simple as just playing outside right now, I'm like playing in, you know, tiny little minefields. 
through my yard because I'm always worried about about tripping and falling yeah. on these stupid nuts. That's a good one. That's a completely legitimate number one. Um, my number one is is your number three, I think, which was phantom pain. Um, and perhaps this is top of mind for me because I just had my once every three to five months uh, bout with it. And I will tell you, I mean, I, there, I don't know how people live with chronic pain. I mean, chronic pain, because I, I have nothing to complain about. I get phantom pain. Like I said, maybe four or five times a year would be a lot. It's probably three to four times a year. Um, and it always happens the exact same way. Um, I go to sleep. I wake up um, probably around two or three in the morning. And inexplicably, I am having shooting pains in, in the leg or foot that aren't there. It used to be I'd get what felt like sort of lightning bolts that ran all the way down my leg from, my, from what's left in my residual limb down into the limb that wasn't there. But um, more recently, I've been getting what basically, I don't even know how to describe it, but it feels like someone just dropping a sledgehammer on my big toe of the foot that I no longer have. And, you know, I, once, once it starts, I can't stop it. I'm up. Um, there's nothing that helps it go away. It lasts usually until the following afternoon. And I think the thing I find most frustrating about it is I don't understand the trigger for it. You know, if I knew that it was going to happen and I could sort of prepare for it and knock myself out somehow, that would be wonderful. But I, I never know until I'm in the middle of it. And once you're in the middle of it, it's too late and you ju you're just suffering. And there's nothing like it. I mean, it's it's. No, you can't really as much as you try to describe it to somebody, you just you can't. There's nothing phantom about that pain is what I tell people is it is very real and it's, it can yeah, be and, and like I said, I'm, I'm really, I don't want this to be read as I'm complaining because I've, I know, you know, this is very common with people, especially who've had traumatic amputations like I did. Um, I am, I'm not complaining about the fact that I have phantom pain. I just hate the fact that I have to endure it at all. I cannot, I, I know people who live with this on a regular basis and I, I don't know how anyone functions because it is, that is much more disabling than, than limb loss. Absolutely. All right. I agree with you there, my friend. Well, see, let, let, let's summarize these, Peggy. Like people, so, people, they can't accuse us of being all smiles and yes. sunshine today. I mean, this is depressing. We hate a lot. We hate we hate nine different things it's, between us. I know. I was just. <laughs> uh, so my number five is the socket muffin top. Um, just you know, I I look like it. It just it looks like a giant mushroom. My my thigh bulging out over the top of it drives me absolutely crazy. That also, on a side note, makes it really hard to find a liner that actually will go up over top of my ample thighs. They almost always roll down. Um, really, really frustrating. Number four is the constant questions. Just drives me crazy. It's exhausting. Number three is phantom pain. My number two and number one could easily be swapped. It's vulnerability and the inconvenience and planning of having to live. And my with top loss. five are 
my inability to accurately figure out how much I would actually weigh if I had two legs and the implications that has. But I you could, could play that to I your advantage. I feel like I'm cheating and then I can't do it. So this is why I gave up golf too because okay. yeah, I couldn't. That's well, no, a lot a of people would say because yes. I'm a lawyer, I should be very comfortable cheating. But <laughs> I am. I am one who, who tries not to. I hate the fact that I'm in shoes all the time because it really stinks trying to walk in anything other than shoes. Um, pretty actively dislike the urine inspiration line and, and would encourage anyone who sees me not to say that to me. Um, unless you want to really screw with me, in which case go ahead. Um, I dislike the gap in function between biological limb and even the most high end prosthetic limbs. And finally, number one, our only shared, uh, complaint, phantom pain. It sucks. There's no other way to say it. It does suck, yes. So there we have our top five things that we hate about living with limb loss or limb difference. Um, would love to know what, what our listeners' top five list is. Um, share it with us on Facebook or email it to us, ampedpod at gmail.com. This is kind of a fun little conversation starter. I know it sounds depressing, but, you know, all of ours weren't, you know, doom and gloom. They were kind of lighthearted, too, just things that really nag on you. And sometimes it's a good way to start that conversation with with others in the community and find out what you have in common or or what your differences are and maybe even come up with some solutions yes, to I some of these solutions. issues. They are. Solutions are good. Well, Peggy, that was a fun one. It was fun talking about things we hate. That was a fun one. I mean, it sounds depressing, but I don't, I'm not leaving this podcast feeling depressed. So I'm good with this. Great talking to you. All right. Take care. Have a great week, everyone. Bye. (laughs)